Tom Don Lego, and it's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and we'll chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Well, welcome back to Raise Nation Radio. We're so glad you're joining us again. Um, If you've been with us before, thank you for making the show so popular. Um, We are up for an award, so you might want to check that out and um, vote for us. Uh, We're in two categories. We'll have that all in the show notes. So thank you in advance again for being um, a fan. If you're new, so glad you joined us. Raise Nation Radio streams on 10 favorite channel. So we're everywhere. And I'm sure we're at your favorite streaming uh, service. And we're also on demand at onecuz.com. And I just love the opportunity to engage with all of you this way. Talk about a hot button issue. We're talking about a hot button issue today. We've got the expert um, to answer all our questions. I know I'm going to be listening because many of you know that I my side hustle is running a very small nonprofit with my daughter. And this might be something that I didn't know that I was entitled to, but I could be entitled to. And we're going to get to what we're talking about in just a moment. It's easy. It's ERC, Employee Revenue Credit. And the reason why I put the easy before it is because that's who's joining us today. We have Kenny Detman. He is the CEO and founder of Easy. ERC, which that makes me very happy to know that ERC could be easy, but he's going to give us all the deets, tell us all about it, and we're going to jump into it. But first, I want to welcome Kenny to the show. Kenny, hi. Thank you so much. I know how busy you are. You just came from a conference, but thank you for joining us on Raise Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Don. It's a, it's a real privilege, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Well, I'm looking forward to learning from you. Um, But before we get there, I've got a bunch of questions. I hope you're going to be patient with me. But before we get there, our audience would love to know a little bit about you. Just who's Kenny Dietman? Um, How did you find, you know, Easy ERC? Tell us about anything you want to share personally and um, what you do at Easy ERC. Sure. So. First and most importantly, for the purpose of this discussion, I am a certified public accountant in the state of Florida, which is going to be a theme in this conversation and and sharing um, uh, what to look for in terms of an advisor who can support you with the employer retention credit. So I'm a lifelong tax nerd. I've been in tax advisory for over 15 years. For the first 13 years of my career, I worked at a large global firm, um, Alvarez and Marsal, which is New York headquartered. I worked out of their Miami office and I primarily supported the private equity industry in tax advisory. And so when the pandemic hit, all of my clients were looking to me to help solve the, the the various problems that they were that they were facing from a financial perspective. And so 
many of my clients were first looking to to the PPP loans, which we all fondly remember. Not many. Oh initially God, that were brings looking. back <laughs> not good memories. Oh yes, good, I remember them. Good and bad. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, for for many, it was a real struggle to apply and receive the PPP. But you know, at some point, that that really did get more uh, more streamlined than certainly the ERC was then and is now. So pandemic hits. Clients are looking to their advisors to help with it, it navigating these programs, the PPP and uh, the ERC. Initially, not many paid attention to the ERC, which there were some very good reasons for that. So having been an income tax advisor for 13 years, all of a sudden I was thrown into the world of payroll tax credits, which was a, a new world to me. But in being a, 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 an advisor who was looking to provide, as always, holistic support to my clients, I, I, I took the time to really understand and navigate this program and spent a year at Alvarez and Marsau leading their ERC task force. And about midway through 2021, we're kind of starting to come out of the pandemic. One of the one of the uh, uh, initiatives I started uh, uh, as a result of the employee retention credit was to stimulate business development activity for my my employees and in particular my interns. And so, selling tax work is not easy, and selling tax work as an intern is not easy. Um, but the employee retention credit back then was a very easy thing to sell. So I was asking my interns to go out and talk to their family and friends and see if they had opportunities for potential employee retention credit clients. And sure enough, uh, we started taking on pizza restaurants and Chinese takeout uh, restaurants, small gyms, uh, clients that for a much larger firm were kind of unusual and foreign. So what ended up happening actually was that my my uh, firm's general counsel called me and said, Kenny, we love the, the idea of getting, uh, creating opportunities for the interns, but you know, we don't really work with these types of much smaller businesses, um, not the right fit, not the, um, you know, creates a, a risk, risk profile that we're not comfortable with. So these opportunities continued to find their way to me. Um, and I felt really bad just turning them down. So I was having a, a conversation one night with my wife over dinner and, and explaining to her that, you know, there's these small businesses that really need support. And I, you know, I wish I, I, I had a way to help them. And my wife came up with the ingenious idea of creating easy ERC and initially easy ERC was more of a, a, um, a, a, a network of small firms, um, single single partner CPA shops. So we created a brand um, to to basically um, uh, create awareness for the employee retention credit, and then find other small CPA shops to actually execute the work. Uh, it turned out that that was so successful that by the end of 2021, I said, you know what, I would actually love to be the service provider. Um, you know, I am. I'm an expert in the space. I'd love to grow a practice to actually be the the the, the firm that not only um, creates awareness and education about the employee retention credit, but is also responsible for for executing it. And we take a very conservative view with the way uh, we execute our services. 
From that time, this was the middle of 2021 when my, my wife and I had that conversation. Easy ERC has grown to over 50 professionals. We've helped over oh, 2,500 organizations claim the credit. We just surpassed $1 billion in total credits claimed, and we absolutely love to work with nonprofit organizations. There's a couple of reasons for that, which we can we can get into further, but it's a it's a real joy to help all types of organizations, whether for-profit or for, uh, not-for-profit, responsibly pursue and claim this credit. And um, there's still another at least year and a half for for um, uh, until the, the program expires. So we'll continue doing this as, as long as we possibly can. Um, and then I'll have to figure out what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad that you did because it's a real need. And I wanna dial back a little bit because we're throwing out the, is it an acronym ERC? And I think you've defined it in, in your story and what a beautiful story and shout out to your wife who, who helped, um, you know, baptize, if you will, you know, what you were thinking. But um, so ERC stands for employee revenue credit. The employee retention credit. Okay. Employee retention credit. See, I have a lot to learn. Okay. Employee re retention credit. Can you define that for us for maybe some people don't even know what that is. Absolutely. So it's easiest to define the employee retention credit by comparing it to the Paycheck Protection Program. And for some of your listeners, maybe they're not familiar with the PPP. There were two major stimulus programs that came out of the CARES Act. And the CARES Act was the first stimulus bill that was in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we have to rewind to March of 2020. Ooh. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Okay. We'll go back <laughs> to get ahead, no problem. We, 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 feel, we feel a bit like therapists and uh, CPAs <laughs> and lawyers sometimes. Having I'll to, allow it <laughs> to get our, our clients to sort of put themselves back into uh, that 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 time period and tell us their COVID story. So the Paycheck Protection Program was the first and most popular program. This was where the government was giving businesses uh, a sum of money, and to the extent that business exhausted those funds on their payroll, they didn't have to pay the government back. So it was an interest. It was an, it was initially an interest-free and forgivable loan from the government that to the extent that it was used to pay your employees, not to keep within your business, you didn't have to pay those funds back. So paycheck protection program, that was program number one. Program number two, which when, when the CARES Act was released, you had to choose one of the two programs, you couldn't take both. Program number two was the employee retention credit. The employee retention credit is better described as a rebate on wages that an employer paid. So to the extent they didn't take the PPP, a business or an organization used their own funds to pay payroll as they normally as they normally would, the employee retention credit is a is a credit, a, a cashback rebate effectively of those wages. And it's either 50 cents on the dollar or 70 cents on the dollar of those wages. So put yourself in April of 2020 if you're still comfortable with that. If you continue to pay your employees, let's say you paid a, a particular employee five thousand dollars while they were um, while 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 the organization was eligible, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means. The employer can claim a certain percentage of the of the wages back. If they paid five thousand dollars in twenty twenty, they'd actually get twenty five hundred dollars back. So the total potential credit 
is up to $26,000 per employee over the period of time from March of 2020 through September of 2021. You're asking the question, why are we talking about this now? Um, you can retroactively claim the credit even though we're past the eligibility period. So if you look back and sort of say, yeah, we were subject to um, uh, operational disruptions or, or financial statement disruptions over that period of time, we continue to pay your, our employees, um, you very well may be eligible for this employer retention credit on a retroactive basis. It's a payroll tax credit. Um, so you're, you're claiming it through payroll tax returns. It is not like the PPP where you have to exhaust it on a specific type of expense because this was already an expense. You already paid that payroll. Now you're grabbing it back. Does that make okay. sense? Yes, 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 yes. I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. Um, so for those of you who are learning with me and now we're a little bit on the same page, or for those of you who already knew what the employee retention credit was all about, I have to ask the hard question. I guess based on the numbers, it works because those numbers are outstanding that, that you've helped recover so far. But, um, but a lot of nonprofits believe that it doesn't work or they don't qualify. So could we jump now into how would they know one way or the other if they do or don't? And what confidence can we give you, give our audience and our listeners that it, it really does work and it's worth investigating? Absolutely. So there's a few reasons nonprofits that are familiar with this um, believe they're not eligible for the credit. The first is just by virtue of being a nonprofit. Nonprofits aren't, aren't really familiar with tax credits because by definition, they're non-tax paying. They're not oh, income right. tax paying, right? So this is, this is a foreign world for nonprofits. How can we be eligible for a tax credit when we don't pay taxes? This is a payroll tax credit and nonprofits are payroll are subject to uh, federal FICA, right? And so this is a, a payroll tax credit that is tied to FICA. So number one, they think we're not eligible because we're nonprofit. Not true at all. The, the IRS specifically defined 501Cs as eligible employers for the credit. Reason two is I told you that PPP and ERC were released alongside one another and that you had to choose one or, one or the other. That was the rule. That rule changed in December of 2020. Congress oh, said, you know, not that long is, ago, just yeah, cool. uh, December of 2020. Congress oh, said, oh, you know oh yeah. OK. Congress was like, wow, COVID is lasting a lot longer than we thought. We're going to we're going to make these rules more generous. So number two, the reason they 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 may think that they're not eligible is because they took a PPP loan and under the original rules, you couldn't take an employer retention credit. Uh, uh -huh. Reason number three is there's two tests to be eligible. Congress acknowledged there's really two core reasons an employer might not retain their employees during the pandemic. One is because their financial, um, they, they took a, a, a significant financial hit. No matter what's happening to your operations, if your revenues are going down at some point, you're going to have to lay off employees. So they created a financial statement test to reflect that reality. But then they created an operational test that says that no matter what's happening with your financials, your revenues, um, if your operations change because the government says that you can't do um, a particular type of service or you have to modify um, the, the, your service offerings, that you might have to rethink, do I need 100% of all of the employees that I had pre-COVID? Now, the nonprofit world, um, you know, we, we're normally dealing with organizations who are less profit-oriented, right? 
Um, they still need profit in order to pay those payrolls. So they typically did the right thing, regardless of whether or not their operations change, they retain their employees. Um, but why are nonprofits um, thinking that they're not eligible from an eligibility perspective? They're hyper fixated on this revenue test. They think that that's the only way to qualify. And most CPAs are comfortable with quantitative tests. The revenue test, the financial statement test is a quantitative test. The operational test, on the other hand, it's purely qualitative with a couple of quantitative subtests within them. And that makes nonprofit organizations a, a bit uncomfortable that we're dealing with a reasonably subjective test. Um, but that's why firms like ours exist that, that, that are staffed by lawyers, accountants, payroll specialists. Um, we are here to help navigate these challenging and very technical issues surrounding ERC to make sure that it's claimed properly. Got it. All right. I'm going to dive into that a little bit more. I've had the chance to speak with you and your team, and there's such a trust there. Um, we've, we have the opportunity to work together at Raise because I just felt this was so important to bring to as many nonprofits as possible. And I wouldn't do that if I didn't trust you guys. So I want to dive into that a little and hopefully you can help us, Kenny. I think anytime there's a hot button issue like this is and a time sensitive issue because the clock is ticking, we have time, but not, you know, an infinite amount of time. I think you see all types of players come into the space and you see players that may be um, dark, um, scammy, um, maybe not completely in the know, kind of positioning themselves as an expert when they're not, you know, how do nonprofits I mean, clearly we can come to you, right? So, so that's our first, our first step. Easy ERC. I think you, you have the confidence that you need to move forward. But how does a nonprofit weed all of that out? Because they're probably getting those phone calls and those pieces of mail that are coming in and, and that are maybe not so copacetic. Can you help mm -hmm. us navigate that a little bit? It's it's actually fairly simple to bifurcate the good players from the bad players in the space. And okay. The, and, and and part of part of uh, figuring that out is actually just listening to what the IRS is, is out there actively warning employers about, and that is to work with a tax professional. And what is a tax professional? The, 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 there actually is a definition of a tax professional. It's a CPA. It's an attorney. It's an, enroll, it's an enrolled agent with the IRS. But you are going to find firms out there that say, we have those. And if you look at the, at, the, at the leadership of the organization that you're working with, my view is that, and I think the IRS would agree with me, that it's important to be working with an organization that is led by tax professionals and that is providing services um, through, through their in-house tax professionals. So, Leadership should be um, uh, uh, tax professionals, credentialed professionals. It's okay to have a support function of a sales and marketing team underneath that. So when you when you think about the pyramid of what that organization looks like, people who have been working in professional services and tax, legal, accounting, payroll for their entire lives that are supported by the you know no, normal um, back office functions, including sales and marketing. What are the firms to, to look out for? They're firms that are led by serial entrepreneurs that have never worked in the tax space in their life. And they have some 
you know, account accountants or lawyers that you never get to speak with um, that aren't on their websites. Um, those are the organizations that are out there pushing these very aggressive positions. They are sales, business de development and marketing led with accounting and legal as the support function. It should be the other way around. It should be yeah. accounting, tax, legal at the top with sales and marketing as a support function. Um, if you're a nonprofit leader and a, and a decision maker out there, you should be talking to a tax professional as part of understanding whether or not you want to proceed with exploring this process. Um, you, you said very early on, Dawn, um, that you you like our name, that that um, Easy ERC, uh, the fact that we can make it easy on our organization is, is a positive. Um, there is some negative con connotation, and, and we named the company back in May of 2021. We might have rethought it um, had we known that there'd be hundreds, if not thousands, of unscrupulous players in the space. What which you should also be aware of, be wary of, is organizations that tell you we can tell you whether you're eligible in eight minutes or less, or um, second guess mm. your C CPA. Your CPA is wrong. Um, you know we like to work collaboratively with uh, in-house or, or or external CPAs or auditors. Um, we're not out here telling organizations their CPAs are wrong, and we're certainly not out there telling organizations that it's as easy enough as a phone call for us to figure out whether or not you're eligible and you know move on to the claim. So yeah. hopefully that's helpful. CP CPAs and lawyers, people who have experience pre-pandemic in working in professional services that make sense for these types of services. Yeah, well, thank you for addressing that because um, nonprofits, especially small, mid-sized nonprofits, grassroots, they're, they're limited with resources. They have all to do to just steward their donors and, and facilitate their programming and their mission. And all of these other things tend to fall by, you know, by the wayside. I'm I'm one of those small nonprofits. I'd love to explore ERC. Why wouldn't I? Right. But in in, you know, a full time job and, and a side hustle, who who has the time? You just want to know when you pick up that phone call that you're you are speaking to somebody that you trust. So I appreciate you addressing that. But let's get to some good stuff. What are some of the key details that um you just need to know about an organization to determine if they're eligible. I think I want to help our audience prep mm -hmm. for when they give you pick up the phone and call you or when they meet you at the raise conference in September. What can they gather? What are those key details that they can gather just to get ready for a conversation that might be super helpful for them? Of course. So um, in terms of the criteria for eligibility, Largely, you're, you have to be an organization that's under 500 full-time employees. I would imagine that's most of your listeners. Um, so, step one is we, we, you know, we typically are working with what are what are deemed small employers. These are under 500 full-time employees. You had to have had payroll over the pandemic, and over the pandemic for this purpose is between March of 2020 and September of 2021. So, W-2 payroll, and you had to have been subject to restrictions or modifications to your service platform due to governmental orders. So said said uh, in, in, in words that aren't directly from the IRS's notices, um, we're looking for uh, an organization that had to change their service platform to make sure they were being COVID safe. And in changing that in the service platform, let's imagine a, a, a soup kitchen that, you know, uh, 
was doing bag bag lunches because they couldn't have people sitting across from one another at, at tables during COVID. That's an example of where your your service platform is changing, but you're still providing the service. Um, so we're looking for instances where organizations had to change their services to be COVID safe, to um, to adhere to social distancing, enhance sanitation and hygiene procedure. Uh, organizations that deal with the elderly, they deal with the, the youth populations, they deal with the intellectually disabled, um, they're dealing with high-risk populations. So they had to make a lot of changes. Uh, organizations that deal, um, that, that work in schools, right? Schools were shut down, hybrid platforms. All of a sudden, the services that they might be providing in, in, uh, in person in schools turn to some type of virtual format. So the, the real key here is, did, did the organization suffer an operational disruption that's more than insignificant? Um, if, you know, if we're talking about an organization that purely does fundraising, um, it's probably not a great candidate. But when we're talking about an organization that has their employees or their volunteers uh, providing services that are in, in person pre-COVID, and those in-person services had to change, they're most likely going to be a candidate for this credit, and they should absolutely open up the conversation and explore it. They should be careful. Uh, if somebody is actively calling them saying, you're going to get $26,000 an employee, and we know you're eligible. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of work to get there, but it's absolutely worth the conversation. It's worth exploring um, to 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 you know, ascertain whether there's a path. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're deserving of a credit, I mean, it's definitely worth exploring. What does the process look like from 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 soup to nuts? I mean, I know you can't go in, in this one podcast into all the details, but mm -hmm. are we talking a three day, three month, three year process? What like what what what's in what's involved with that? So there are typically two paths that, that that are taken once a client decides to work with us. And there's no guarantee that we're going to get the positive result at the end. But we, of course, like to have an idea that there's a path to that positive result in, in preliminary conversations. Path one is collecting payroll, accounting, financial data, stuff that should be off the shelf. Um, this is the data that we need to calculate the credit. Path two is a legal path. It's working with our in-house team and sometimes outside counsel um, for us to really understand their COVID story, to document it, and to ensure that it fits within the definition of what the IRS says is um, constitutes an, an eligible situation, meaning they were sufficiently disrupted. The, 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 the actual uh, term that the IRS is, uses is they suffered a full or a partial suspension of operations. Partial suspension is usually what we're looking at. You were, you were restricted or modified. So accounting path, a, pay, a, a legal path that it's going to involve typically um, 30 minutes to an hour of an interview with an attorney. There's usually some follow-up in terms of uh, asking for some potentially data or key performance indicators that help us understand the impacts. Um, and then it, it, on average, it takes us 20 days from signed engagement letter to um, completing the, the project. A lot of that, of course, depends on how quickly we're getting data and scheduling calls from our clients. And then from there, it's about a three to four month time frame for the IRS to process these credits and send the checks to, to the organizations. So all in all, you know, you're, you're talking about 
less than a half a year, it's still a long time for some of these organizations that are desperately in need. Um, but considering we're working with the IRS, it's, uh, you know, I think that's pretty fast. It's, yeah. It's, it's not, I didn't, it's not, it's not too shabby based on uh, what, what uh, many of us have experienced in terms of delays with the IRS. Yeah, not at all. Hey, Without mentioning any specific organization named, is there one success story that stands out to you? Maybe a situation where a nonprofit really didn't think that they were eligible and lo and behold, or is there one particular story that you can share just to really get our audience to say, okay, that sounds like me and I need to make the phone call to EZERC. Anything that comes to mind? I know I'm putting you on the spot, Kenny. Well, we, we work with a an organization in San Francisco that services, um, provides services to the, to the Hispanic population and, and, um, has child, a child care program, um, helps helps individuals, uh, you know, gain, gain employment. And we reached out to them and they said, well, Kenny, we, 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 we were actually able to provide all the services we were providing pre-COVID, but we were, you know, we were doing these from a, a virtual platform. So, um, you know, the, the young children that we were servicing pre-COVID, we had uh, the ability for their parents to put a, a, a Zoom on so that they could, you know, re- receive educational services or, or supervision, you know, obviously not really supervision. Um, so they, they basically said, listen, we, we did the best we could. We pivoted everything from an in-person to a, to a telework platform. And, and therefore everyone kept working. Um, you know, we, 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 we kept everyone on the payroll. Our, our um, service recipients were still uh, availing of our services. There's no way we're eligible. And when we really started to peel back the onion, um, it didn't take long, of course, to, to determine the childcare services, particularly very young children, um, have a very limited attention span. And and also technology when we're dealing with um, um, you know lower socioeconomic classes that don't have access to the same technology, we were learning that the the interactions between these you know the organization and the service recipients and these in this case the children were so severely limited because they couldn't keep the attention, um, and that many of the families they were helping didn't even have the technology that we were over time able to educate and let let the organization know that the iris says that if you can't provide the equivalent service from a telework platform then you're eligible for this credit and so we ended up doing approximately 3.2 million dollars for this organization that thought that they absolutely had no chance at all for um, for Wait, what was that number again? What was three point three point two million? Now they they had over two hundred full time employees, so this was a larger organization. But we did a three point two million dollar credit for them, and it it was just so heartwarming for all of us. The checks have already been received, um, and and so we actually we've we've gone out, we've sponsored a couple events with this organization. Um, so that was that's one that, that really sticks out for me. Oh my God. I'm jaw dropped. I really, really am. Oh my God. That's amazing. And you know, it's gotta be rewarding for you and your team to know that you're pulling in funds that are really going to impact 
futures and better tomorrows and programming. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, some of the audience knows I do raise a son with special needs. And we tried so hard with Zoom classes. And if my son sat still for 30 seconds, you know, it was a good day. And and we really couldn't deliver the same education that he he gets in, in, in person. And try, I mean, no, no, no fault to anyone. Everyone tried. We all tried. It just wasn't the same. So um, yeah, I really respect that. And kudos to your team for just going, peeling back the layers of the onion and really finding out, wow, this is fascinating. Um, I think we've probably inspired a lot of nonprofits out there to want to pick up the phone. So to the audience that's listening, I promise you go to the show notes. Um, Kenny, if it's okay with you in those show notes, we're going to have ways to contact you and, you know, some, some of your content and um, your, your contact information and just how to get in touch with your team. So, cause I think we've probably inspired a number of nonprofits that probably want to reach out and just get that conversation started. So we'll have that all on the show notes, go to the show notes for this episode and find out um, what you need to know so that you could explore the ERC for your organization. Kenny, what is the deadline date? Just let's get that out there. So there's sort of two deadline dates, April 15th, 2024, the 2020 credit, which is up to $5,000 per employee expires. April 15th, 2025, the 2021 credit, which is up to $21,000 per employee expires. You really wanna get this in before the 2020 credit expires. Um, and there's also some some uh, not even rumors at this point. Uh, IRS Commissioner Danny Warfel at a conference I was at three days ago in Atlanta said that the IRS is thinking about pulling this program early because of all of the bad players, which would be really important right. for those uh. who are out there deserving of it. So literally, literally three days ago, the IRS is saying, hey, we're really looking hard at closing this program early. So I would say time is of the essence. Don't, don't yeah. assume that this will be around until April 15th, 2025. OK. All right. That, that's good. That's good for us to know. And, you know, I want to thank you for coming to raise uh, the raise conference in September in Nashville um, and supporting uh, that brand, because we're all about serving the, the people that are serving our communities. And um, so thank you for for being a sponsor of raise and for being with hundreds of nonprofits in Nashville, you'll be there or your team will be there, right? To help anybody who wants to stop by your booth. So um, that's another way aside from the show notes or aside from, you know, just going to uh, easy ERC, but come to the raise conference and you'll be able to meet, you'll, you'll have a couple team members there. Is that right, Kenny? Absolutely. And it's a real privilege to be able to sponsor. We're, I mean, ho hopefully you can tell we are passionate about helping nonprofit organizations. So thank, thank you for, for inviting us and allowing to be part of that conference. Yeah, we, we, we can't wait. I, I'm sure that your booth is going to be pretty popular. So mm -hmm. um, meet us there, meet us on, on show notes on your favorite podcast channel, Fearless Fundraisers. You heard it, right? Time to take action is right now. But um, for this podcast episode, that's all we have time for. I can talk to Tenny, Kenny for hours, but thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursdays, 
1230 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you like best, whatever your favorite is. We're there. Um, and then you can get notifications about all of our guests. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of ebooks and blogs and vlogs that you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, uh, Kenny Dentman from Easy ERC for sharing a very authentic and expert voice in I hope I get this right the second time around, employee retention credit. Is that right? Did I get it right, Kenny? You got it. You nailed it. Okay. I learned something in this podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today and just sharing all of that expertise and, and a path forward for our nonprofits. But I have to ask you, we ask all our guests, any last word of inspiration? I would just say to, to your listeners, to nonprofit organizations, listen to the IRS, have your guard up, but have the conversation with whether it's us or a, another organization with trusted tax professionals, have that conversation. This is worth opening up. Um, we know everyone's guards up. You've got uh, a board of, you know, there's always a board of director who thinks this whole thing's a total scam. Um, for, for some organizations, it is a total scam, but have the conversation. Um, it's, it's certainly not too late, but uh, time is potentially running out. TikTok, TikTok. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your very busy. Thank your wife again. Great, great name. I love the name because, you know, as nonprofits, we need for it to be easy. So easy ERC. Uh, that's got my vote of confidence and my trust. Thank you again, Kenny. So, so, so much. Um, that is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. Mm-hmm.